Ramon Shelburne is all over this story. Paul George has been traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Jimmy Butler has been sent, reunited with his former coach, Tom Thibodeau, in Minnesota. It has been developing for months. Breaking news tonight here on SportsCenter. And it looks like Dwight Howard is on the move. A deal that just really came about over the last couple of hours. Howard going to the Lakers. And welcome, everyone, to another edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad. Dante Marcatelli here with you, joined by George Galante, Jeff Turner, and David Steele. And you heard that open. Yeah, we're just a couple of weeks away from the NBA trade deadline, uh, which we know creates uh, quite a buzz in the NBA this time of year. And joining us for this show, the general manager of the Orlando Magic, kind enough to spend a few minutes with us, John Hammond. John, have you ever been on a podcast before that that you are aware of? (laughs) Yes, I have, as a matter of fact, and I am aware of being on one. All right, fantastic. (laughs) I'm sure you've joined a lot higher profile ones than this would be my guess, John. I doubt. I don't think it's anything more high profile than this. I think this is the the, the top of the top, the cream to the cream. (laughs) Well, we appreciate it. It's good to spend some time with you. I know the trade deadline is nearing. We'll kind of get some some thoughts from you on on where you guys are at and and then just kind of get get your approach and and revisit some of the, the moves you've made over the years and and I guess for fans that don't know, what what are these days like for you? Do you, do you wake up to, to 10 text messages, voicemails? Are you making calls all day or not? What does What is this time of year like for you? Well, I think usually what happens, you know, probably, you know, the season starts. People kind of say this is our roster and we're going to move forward with this roster. And as, then as you get into the season and, and, and you know, um, some unexpected things happen within teams. Um, maybe a team that had higher expectations um, are now starting to lose some games, and or injuries occur within rosters, or just things happen that 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 you know. I think some teams are in a position where, like, wow, we didn't expect to be here. We didn't expect to be struggling the way we are. And then on the other hand, there's teams that are saying, wow, we didn't realize that that we were going to maybe be this good. Right. We're, we're overachieving, and what can we do to help ourselves? even become a better team now. So I think people are looking at maybe through two different lenses to a certain extent. And then, you know, there's certain teams that are at probably at the, at the other end of the spectrum that say, you know, we are who we are. We're at the very top of the league and we don't need to make a whole lot of changes. And other people that are at the very bottom that say like, you know, why should we do a whole lot of things right now with, with where we're at? So I think it's kind of teams are kind of all over the board to a certain extent, depending on who you are and where you're at. But, um, um, you know, it's, it's, the phones are, 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 are a little more active now. It's not, it's not what people think. I think like, you know, you wake up to 10 text messages, <laughs> right. um, that, that could be, that could be the case, you know, maybe the day before trade deadline, the two days before the week before, but it usually, I, I, it usually happens very, very late. John, this is David. Uh, you've got a lot of experience um, throughout uh, your, your career in front offices in Detroit, Milwaukee, and, uh, and now in Orlando primarily. And uh, give us an idea of what you think the climate is right now. You've been through uh, how, however many trade deadlines there are, but uh, from a league standpoint, what, what does it look like? Do you expect blockbuster deals? Do you think it's going to be relatively quiet this February? Uh, or what, what are your thoughts on that right now? Boy, you know, David, it's really, it's really kind of hard to tell exactly what, what's going to happen. You know, I, I – I, uh, you know – you, I thought at one point it was going to be it was going to be really active. Now I'm starting to wonder exactly, and that's because because you know that once again I think there were some teams that had some expectations that that uh, thought they may be in that whatever championship caliber discussion. Next thing you know, some injuries occurred with those teams, and you started hearing rumors. Well, wow, they're going to move. Start talking about moving major. Uh, players on their roster, and now things have kind of settled, and some of these teams are kind of getting back within a back within who they are, what they expected to be, and, and moving back in the right direction. So you know they settle they settle down a little bit in, the, in, in their discussions they might have been having, or some of the thoughts they might have been having, maybe even internally. So you know I I I just it's hard for me to always predict that. Um, you know I think if we did this, if we did this, you know a couple of days before the deadline. Yeah, I think you're going to have a little better feel as to what's going to happen. But um, I, I don't know. Right now, right now, it seems fairly quiet. But once again, as, as the deadline approaches, it could change. Hey, Don, this is Jeff. I, I'm curious um, from your time doing this, how the the way news is uh, gets out now and social media and 
How has that changed your job? It seems like every day we read something about teams are looking at a deal and everything, and a lot of times maybe that's not true, but it just gets out there. You talked about rumors. Are there more now than when you first started? I have nothing to do with that, by the way. I don't <laughs> <any> rumors. <laughs> George, we know that, of course. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it. You know, it, it's funny that, that we talk about that because um, uh, it's – um, I, 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 I get caught myself. I'll read something and maybe regarding another team and about maybe something they're considering uh, from a trade standpoint. And I'll think, oh, wow, uh, man, I, I didn't realize that, that, that could really be happening, huh? So I get caught up in the moment myself. And then, then all of a sudden I, I read something about a team that I'm involved with directly and I see how incorrect that really is. <laughs> right. And then it kind of brings me back to that moment of like, well, am I really believing what I just read about somebody else too? So I think, you know, there's so, it's so competitive nowadays. There's so many sites for people trying to, to be the first to get something or just to have any kind of information. And I, look, a lot of these guys that have these jobs are under pressure uh, to get that information. And I, I understand that and respect them um, and respect them in the jobs that they do. So, so they're always, you know, trying to find one little nugget out there that could maybe, you know, you know, give them an edge. But even think about this. Think about how many guys are writing things on, on just different sites, blogs, right. or whatever it might be, that are out there that they have like they have no information whatsoever. And they're, you know, they're. I think they're thinking, man, if I could ever get something out there and, and have, and 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 wow, what if I what if I put something out there and it hit and it stuck? It could give me some, you know, real credibility. So. It's it's um, look some of the things that are out there I think do have some merit but but you know I, I don't I don't know what it'd be you know if there's you know if it's ten percent of it's right twenty percent of it's right but a lot of it it's just rumors and look I understand people it's their job it's their job to do that dig see what's out there and once again I have complete respect for them in doing their jobs. John, does it change the way you negotiate with teams, the way you communicate? Because, you know, there's always the leaks, I guess, and things like that. Has it eroded the trust between general managers? No, I don't think so. You know, I think people, everybody understands what it is, Jeff, and that, that you know, it, it's here's what's happened is that there are so many more people involved in discussions and so many people involved in the decisions as decisions are drawing near. You know, years ago, years ago, I can tell you, like in you know my first my real full time front office position with Joe Dumars, Joe was the person that was making these calls, and and you know, and, and Mr. Davidson and and the owner at the time of the Pistons, and and then myself, you know, but I, but I mean, it was a very very small number, and now you have so many people involved. You know, what's the saying? That when two no, four no, when four knows, eight knows, when eight knows, <laughs> sixteen knows. Right. And I think that I think that's just I think that's one thing that's happening. You know, you said like you could be talking with a with a, a general manager, and all of a sudden the, the, the discussions you're having, you're reading about the next day, and you might be calling them and saying, well, like <laughs> like 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 what, what you know, can't you keep it quiet? But you know, look at if if you talk to you're going to talk to somebody in house today, and the staffs are so big, I think it's just. It's just the, where the business has moved to, the fact there are so many people involved in the in front offices today that it's hard to keep things quiet and things are leaked. Speaking with uh, Magic General Manager John Hammond. John, I've been doing this long enough to know you're, you're not going to tell us what you've been working on because then <laughs> everybody's going to know. But uh, what would you tell Magic fans as far as your approach and, and what, it, what you're trying to accomplish uh, here the next couple of weeks? Well, you, you know um, – there, there's really nothing imminent right now that that I, you know I wish I could say well you know we've got something that we're, that we're really sure. close to, not 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 really I don't, let me rephrase that I don't want to say that I wish I could say because that's not the case but if I I, I don't I don't even have anything to say that well we've got something really close but we can't talk about it we're not there right now so we're open we're listening we're talking you know they you kind of like divide I think the teams up into two groups are you a buyer or are you a seller. Well, I, I, I don't know that I don't know that that you know we're in either of those categories to a certain extent. Um, we're we're just kind of you know gathering information that we can, 
see what, what is available for us. Is there an opportunity for us to help our team? I, I think, I guess, the way I would answer that probably uh, uh, as, as, uh, as, as much as I can is to say that um, I, I think that anything we do is probably going to be a, uh, a move to help our team long-term more than short-term. So it's a move that, you know, is not going to make us, is it going to make us better for the last, you know, 20 games of this season, last 30 games of the season or into next season? I don't think that's the case. I think for us, it's going to be, is it going to help us two years from now, three years from now, and four years from now? I think if we do something, it's going to be probably that, that kind of uh, that line of thinking. That's great. Thanks, John. John, um, Jeff Weltman and you came in here last spring, summer, and uh, said pretty much right off the bat, this is going to be a season of evaluation. We, we've got to find out what assets we have here. And here we go. Here we are. It's almost February. You've had so many injuries, uh, so many things that have happened along the way. I'm just wondering, where are you and Jeff in the evaluation process? And because of all of the injuries and the things that have happened, happened do you feel like you've had a, you know, an opportunity to get a fair assessment of where your ball club is in terms of personnel? I think so, David. I, I think I think we, we know obviously a lot better now than we did then. You know, the only thing that's happening is that there are some guys that are kind of improving as the season moves forward. And so, you know, as you, you start the season and, and you're not trying to make a quick decision or be reactive in, in your thinking, but, but, but that kind of happens naturally. And then, and then you, you live with the person a little bit longer and, and, and you also find out, Hey, you know, he is a pretty good solid man. And that's really important as, as you're trying to build a team. But then you also find out, well, wow, wow, he's even, he's getting better. And he's, and he's, and you know, how much more can he improve? So I think, I think we do know, I think we do kind of know who and what we are to a certain extent, but, but you know, like improvement from within is very important. I think there are some guys that are improving as the seasons move forward. Jeff, so, is, it, is it hard for you to make your own, uh, get your own evaluation of a guy as opposed to maybe what you've seen over the course of the three years prior before you got here? Like to make your own determination of of the players that we have. No, I think I think you know you need to live with somebody to understand who they are, and 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 know their real strengths and weaknesses. I think on the court, off the court, you know, how they represent themselves on the floor and off the floor. And um, so I think it's really, really important to, to be around because I think that's exactly right, George, what you do. You have an assumption of who people are because, you know, you play them, what, maybe twice a year if it's a, right. a, a team out of your conference mm-hmm. or maybe you play them three to four times a year and you think you have a good handle on them. But, boy, not until you have a chance to actually live with them and travel with them and spend time with them and have meals with them and be on the planes with them and on the buses with them and find out exactly who they are that, that, that you, you know, I think that, that's, that's the real key. John, I've learned an awful lot about the three in this room, and uh, there's no turning back now with all the travel we've done together. <laughs> I think, I think, are you guys in the category you're kind of stuck together? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is true. Exactly right. <laughs> for better and for worse. Hey, John, lo- looking back, uh, looking back over your your career, I, I was, uh, you know, thinking about the things that you've accomplished. It's a remarkable career. You were the executive of the year uh, in the NBA in 2010. And uh, I'm sure some of that was that, you know, your Milwaukee team um, had gone from, what, 34 wins, I think, to, to 46 wins in one season in your second year as GM uh, in Milwaukee. And you drafted Brandon Jennings, a young guy that uh, had, I think, had gone overseas to play um, a year, and then you drafted him um, in Milwaukee. And then a big trade, one of your, your big deals was bringing in uh, kind of an under-the-radar guy that turned out to, to make a big difference for the team, John Salmons. Uh, was was that was that a key to your success there in that season when you were the the executive of the year making that midseason deal that brought just the right piece in that you know not a lot of people knew about was was a guy that could make a big difference but just the right guy that fit into your team at that time. You know, David, they talk about guys having career years. That was John Salmons. He had one of those years where we made the trade. It was very interesting. You know, Scott Skiles was our coach in Milwaukee at the time, and. And um, I can remember we, we, we made the trade. We were on our way to Detroit to play. And um, the next day, and John met us. He was in Chicago, so easy trip, met us in Detroit. I remember, like, going down to the hotel lobby, game day, hotel lobby, greeting him, saying hello to him, myself, him introducing myself to him. And then Scott Skiles was waiting. Scott sat down with him. 
for maybe five, ten minutes. We got on the bus, went over to shoot around. The guy had no practice, had one shoot around. And, and, and I'm going to get the numbers wrong. I'm, I'm probably going to overstate a little bit, but I, not, not too greatly, I don't think. But, but John Salmon, that first game, his first game as a Milwaukee Buck in Detroit, I believe he had, he had like 24 points. More importantly, he had a game winner basically at the buzzer to win the game for us. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. And, and, I mean, from that point on, it just turned. And, and, you know, look, Brandon Jennings also had an amazing rookie year. He should have been rookie of the year that year, in my opinion. No question whatsoever. They gave it to Tyreek Evans. We won 46 games. Um, you know, could have, should have. We had Atlanta beat in the first round. And Bogut had – Andrew Bogut was having a, having a career year himself. Played so well for us. I think it was second-team second all-defense, maybe third-team all-NBA. But having a great year. He had a horrible, horrific elbow injury at the very end of the season. We played without him. Still, almost beat Atlanta in the first round, and um, so it, it was. It was just kind of one of those years. Everything fit, but you know, we went from. It was great because when the year we got the job, we won. Uh, they had just won twenty six games, so we went from twenty six to forty six in two years, and and so it was a great turnaround. Scott Scowls did a great job coaching that team, by the way, as well. And um, yeah, it was the the, the Salmas trade worked well, but you know, it, I. Being with Jeff Weltman and our relationship over all these years that we have, you know, I always like I love Jeff's dad, uh, Harry Weltman. And, you know, Mr. Weltman always used to say to Jeff and I, look, guys, you're not going to get them all right. You know, your, your hope is that that team or a couple teams you're really competing against for whatever it is, maybe to get to make in your division or to make the playoffs. You're just hoping if you get seven out of ten right, they get six out of ten right. Or if you get six, they get four. But, you know, in our business, you don't get them all right. So, hey. I love to talk about the John Salmons, but, you know, there's a whole lot of other ones we can talk about that didn't work. But, you know, it's interesting. You think about trade deadline, Jeff Waltman, in, in our time in, together in Milwaukee, um, he was, I think, he was, we were together there for five years, I think, and then he left. Uh, and But before the new ownership occurred, I think our first six years in Milwaukee, we made more trades than any other team in the NBA, with the exception of the Houston Rockets. Wow, no kidding. And we'll, well, but you know what we were doing at the time, David. Is all we were doing is we were trying to band-aid it together. You know, our our you know our mandate at that time from the senator was: look, I want to be good and I want to be a playoff team. It wasn't necessarily a, that you know, thought of like, hey, let's let's we have to that we we want to win a championship. It was you know I, I get where he was at at that point in his career as an owner. You know, he had he had had the team for a number of years. I think there was maybe some thoughts. You know, you know, is he going to sell the team or not going to sell the team? So, you know, he wasn't. His mindset was not to rebuild. Had all the respect for him in that regard. But our team was just, you know, can we just be competitive and can we just make the playoffs? So, so we made a lot of moves over those years. And every trade deadline, we were making moves. And a lot of them were were kind of. It was more kind of like as I just talked about, more short term thinking and long term thinking. John, I, I think that's an unbelievable job you did acquiring John Salmons, and it's, it's uh, we appreciate the insight there. I, I think about what you did when you got to Detroit and working with Joe Dumars as well. I don't know that any team has ever had about a successful six- or seven-month run uh, that you guys, you draft Tayshawn Prince, you sign Chauncey Billups, you trade for Rip Hamilton. That all happens prior to the start of the 3 season. And then you acquire Rasheed Wallace uh, at the trade deadline in 2004 on your way to a championship. Just, just take us through the mentality building that team and, and bring in really probably the missing piece in, in Rasheed Wallace and your run to a title. You know, it, it's, it's interesting. That, that Detroit run with Joe, and man, I, you know, it, it's remarkable to me <laughs> that I, always, I say this, that Joe Dumars is not working in the league today. I mean, the guy is what he stood for in this league as, as a – as a player, um, all the years, you know, Hall of Fame player that he is, you know, you think about a guy like Joe Dumars. I, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm not. I, I, I hope I have this right. I think there's only three guys in sport, three people in sport that have won a, that have been a champion as a um, as a player, a champion as a general manager, or, and in the Hall of Fame in their sport. I think there's only three people that have ever done that in the history of sport, I believe. Wow. And I think it's Jerry West. And maybe John, John Elway. Elway. Yeah. John and Elway. Joe Dumars. How about that? I mean, so you think about, like, Joe and the job he did there. You know, look, I was I was just so fortunate to be a part of, of, of what Joe did there. And, 
And, you know, I, I he, he was wonderful for me. He gave me, you know, he, he allowed me to be a part of every decision and, and work very closely with him. And, 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 and it was a great run. As you said, we had, you know, we went to six straight Eastern Conference finals, two finals, championship, could have, should have won two. But um, that, that team, you know, it's interesting as, as you talk about that, you know, I, I always say that people say, um, and doing these jobs, I always say, boy, you know, luck is so important. Getting a break is so important. And the luck part of like making a trade for a person or signing a person that, that turns out to be so much better than you thought. I mean, obviously you thought he was going to be good or you wouldn't have made the trade, but it's even better than that. And, you know, you look at a guy like Chauncey Billups. When we signed Chauncey Billups, he signed a mid-level contract at that time. Chauncey Billups was the, was the finals MVP on a mid-level contract. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, because he mean, was know, here. Because he was here before he, was he went there, to. Right we, before we, you know, we basically let him go. Yeah. The the year he yeah. got hurt. Or he was sitting like on our bench. Sitting on our bench. A, I think his shoulder or his arm yeah. was hurt. Correct. Yeah. He had a sling on. Yeah. Never played for us. Never saw him in uniform. Yep. In yeah. Orleans. That's yep. right. So I mean, and Chauncey been with a few teams. We 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 signed him. So there's there's one. You know, you trade for Rip Hamilton. We traded Jerry Stackhouse. Jerry Stackhouse that year, uh, we'd won 50 games. And and Jerry Stackhouse was I mean the 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 the, the Palace crowds it was like the the um, uh, Jerry Springer show when when, <laughs> when 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 Stack would get going the crowd would start yelling Jerry Jerry that's and great he, he was our fan favorite and Joe Dumars had the had the guts to wow. trade him for Rip Hamilton I think it was after Rip's rookie year I think it was after his rookie year or second year in the league but and then we so you know look. We liked Rip. We thought he had a chance, but man, never dreamt Rip was going to be this all-star player. Right. And you know he's better. You know he signs. You know he had a chance to sign Ben Wallace on on the sign and trade from here with Grant Hill. And, and you know no one, no one thought Ben was going to be you know leading the league in in block shots, leading the league in rebounds, defensive player of the year. Um, Tayshawn Prince, a draft pick, just fit with the group. And Sheed was the guy. You know, acquiring Rasheed Wallace was just that. You know. He, that stretch big, the rebounding big, and and a guy who had amazing leadership ability also. So, you know, that's an interesting group. That team, I I, I don't know how soon it's going to be, but I know I well, I've looked at this like over the last thirty years. I, I go back that far over the last thirty years that no team has won a championship without a Hall of Fame player on their on the roster, which with the exception of probably that Detroit team. And I'm saying because wow. like teams now that are playing. Sure. Teams of the Tim Duncans, the Kobe's, the Shaqs, the you know all these teams now that are winning. You can Steph Curry's, the Durant's, uh, LeBron's. All these teams, you know, those guys are going to be Hall of Famers. Everybody knows those guys yeah, are going to be Hall right, of Famers. Right. But I think you know, like, could Chauncey make one for the old Mister Big Shot? Maybe. Could Ben make it now for maybe you know the Defensive Player of the Year awards he had? Maybe and being a champion. But but you know, I mean that that was such a unique group. It just fit and. Um, you know, that's the, the, old, the old saying, right? Um, chemistry is one of those things you don't know how you got it when you have it, and you don't know how you lost it when it's gone. And it just that was just one of those teams that they just fit, and everybody surpassed expectations. Great run. So, Terrific. John, take us through your sitting with Joe, and you're, you're, you, you've got a fan favorite in Stackhouse, but you've got this deal that you're going to make, and you're not sure about Rip Hamilton. So what goes into it? Is there a feel? What, is, does Joe just say, I've, I've got a feeling about this kid? What, what is it that makes you pull the trigger on a deal like that? Well, I I don't want to say it at all because there is there there's some things that would say I, I, that was a very interesting um, Jeff. You and I we'll talk about it on the plane. Okay, <laughs> all right. But, I but love that stuff. Right now, yeah, <laughs> probably don't don't want to share too much insight about it right now. But I mean, it was interesting on how how, how it happened. But um, you know, it was uh, it was um, it, it was a trade that that worked well for both. And you know, we moved Jerry Stackhouse, and Jerry Stackhouse is one of my favorite people in the NBA today. You know, he's coaching now in the G League, an assistant coach. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to be a head coach in this league. Um, and, you know, I left I left, and then came back. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, I remember like Jerry Stack, I'm like, who is this guy? I, I used to see him and like, man, he's just such a mature guy and great guy and a, a great team guy. And we brought him to Milwaukee, as a matter of fact. Uh, and, and he played for us in Milwaukee late, late in his career. And um, the guy's a, a great player, but it, you know, it worked out well for Jerry and worked out well for us. 
Well, this is terrific insight, John. I really appreciate the time, and uh, we went a little bit longer than we said, but uh, but this is great stuff. I could listen. We I think I'm in, we're all in agreement. We could listen to this kind of stuff uh, the entire day, so we could keep you forever. But <laughs> we, we appreciate you coming on and sharing some of this insight with us. I wish I could say I, I, that I. I... Uh, you know, like I gotta go because we, we got we got a trade right now. We're getting ready to make, but I can I can stay for another thirty minutes if you guys want to keep talking. But I I, I guess we all got to move on. Yeah, well, we appreciate it. Uh, thank Thanks. you, <laughs> thank you very much, John. I'm sure you got stuff to do, and uh, I think that's terrific. That that insight there, guys, just to to, to kind of get a behind the scenes look, peel the curtain back on kind of what goes into to trade deadline stuff. And this is a guy that's had some success. Uh, if I'm an Orlando Magic fan listening to this, uh, this is this is a guy that's that, that's made a lot of made a lot of good moves. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I was I was going to ask him if he thinks maybe we can discuss this now, but uh, I'd like to have heard what John had to say. I understand he had to go, but uh, could you could someone recreate the Detroit Pistons of? Uh, of the yeah. early 2000s, is it possible? I when, think it's hard when prof- You know, when the top players are trying to, you know, team up to create super teams, and they all want to play together, and nobody wants to, you know, be on their own. There, you know, all these guys are trying to to, to team up and and win multiple titles. Right? Um, can, could a team come out and just lightning strike like it happened with the Pistons? Could a team come out of nowhere and put that together you say no george i i just think with today's player there are just so many individual i think there's so many individual egos involved i think it's really hard for everybody to buy in with what their roles are You, you could take it down a degree and look at the magic just look at the magic franchise and you could go back to that heart and hustle year with where you're looking at it and on paper you know, every we've it's well documented. We've said it numerous times. That team was only supposed to win 15, 20 games. But for whatever reason, that team all galvanized together and played their roles. They all just played their roles and they played hard and they won 41 games. We we haven't had it, you know, there there hasn't been another team in our history like that that has done that. I mean, you could say you could say the teams that we've had maybe even this, you know, like Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, Alfred Payton, are they more talented on paper than the Monty Williams and John Amici and Daryl Armstrong? I, you know what I mean? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I so, would but say like, this. I, I would say they don't play, you know, like t- guys for whatever reason, they just they don't seem to buy into just right. doing what's best for the overall group as right. opposed it's to hard, it, yeah. individuality gets in the way a lot. A lot more agendas now. Yes. Yeah, you're right. But you look at the 2008-2009 teams that we had here in Orlando, and um, there was, the lightning struck there, I think. I think no you question. had, you know, because the, the, the pieces were greater than the individual parts, in my opinion. I know Dwight was at, at the prime, in the prime of his career, and he was probably the top big man, but you know, Richard Lewis uh, was just the perfect guy to plug in there. Hito Turkoglu was the ball handler, um, could make plays out, out top at six foot ten. Um, Jameer was, uh, you know, was a, a gritty point guard, and uh, the pieces just fit. And they you know? played their, but they played their roles. They all too, played their you roles. Know, like they knew what their role was, and they and and we had a Dwight who at the time was that was big. I mean, obviously. he's he but was an to John's, NBA and to John's player. point, that guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. That, he yeah. should, he's know, a Hall of Famer. You look at so his career, he's a Hall of Famer. You're so, right. Yeah. You know, Could like you, that's that's a different animal, I think. Back if you, then, if you looked around the league right now, and you and you you tried to put a team that fit that piston model, right? Where you, you didn't have any all stars. Miami. Right? I was going to say the exact interesting. Miami yeah, is. Right. Don't you think that they have no all stars, yeah. but they're guys that are right there. I think people have I've seen them referred to as a a collection of B plus players. Uh, right. Right. But in this day and age as David was talking about, where you've got multiple all-stars teaming together, mm-hmm. that team's going to – they're a playoff team. But they're not going to win a title. But are they going to win a title? No. That, I think that Pistons team was very unique. I'd love to see it happen. I'd love to – you know, I think it all has to come together, too, from management, coaching. It all has to fit together I'll tell you another well. team that's close there is Toronto. Close to yeah, being that's a good that, point. To, to fitting that. But they've mom. got two they all stars. They've got two all, but they, they don't do. have Hall of Famers. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're probably they're, not Hall of Fame. It could exactly. be depending on how their career plays yeah. out. But that's somebody true. decides, hey, I want to go there and help that team win. But it, it's the selflessness that we, 
I don't think we've seen since that Pistons team. I mean, Ben Wallace didn't care if he scored or not. He he had one job to do. He'd go out and defend and rebound. Rasheed Wallace, you're never going to see anyone like that again in this league that, but, that but, could do like that. But, but that's credit to John and Joe. Sure, like those sure. guys knew what those knew what they were, and they went out and they looked the big picture, and they said, okay, let's go get a guy that's just sure. going to block shots and rebounds and doesn't give a rat about scoring. Oh, mm-hmm. Ben Wallace. Let's go get a, a point guard yep. that's a big point guard that can knock down shots. Chauncey... It, Can you do that now, though? Can you find enough guys that don't care about their numbers for the better of the team? I think it's hard. I think it's really just just being around as long as we've been around and watching guys, those – those guys are few and far between to me. Well, it's interesting because I, you know, I, I had a, a conversation. Uh, I think we were when we were in Washington, and Jeff Weltman was there. He was just coming back from the uh, G League um, showcase. Yeah, the or showcase. Whatever, up and in... he was, I was talking everything. And the night before, I had a chance to watch the current Toronto team on television and everything, and just. It was the first time I really kind of got into it and looking, you start looking at the pieces they have and putting together. And I realized Jeff was not the general manager of that, but a part of that, That's putting true. that together and drafting that core in the, the stability of that organization with Wayne Casey being the coach over a long period and then just keep adding pieces. You know, they, they got DeRozan has turned out to be a heck of a player. You know, they pick up Lowry in free agency. Um, and some of the other pieces and everything, but that young core that they have on that bench that is really playing mm-hmm. well, those were all drafted, uh, and Jeff was a part of that. And right. so that kind of gives us hope, I think, as we, as you, if you want to look at something where they're building something that hopefully is, for them, is ready when the window opens, right? It's right. not, it's, it's starting. So, like, would you say, would you say to, if Toronto could acquire one more all like that they would be right there if Toronto if Toronto went out and required Paul George who, who sends Toronto to the to a finals well, that's what I'm saying like right, they, exactly. are they one player away like the way the way they're constructed now are they like a Detroit where you're looking at it and you're like boy we're really good but if we got Rasheed Wallace mm-hmm. that takes us to the next level like are they there are they right they're right on that cusp aren't they where they if you could get one player at the deadline that's sure. an all-star that's a bona fide I know I'm gonna go get you 17 and 10. Yeah, aren't they that player they're away? Close. They're pretty close. They're I, real close. Yeah, Paul, they, Paul yeah. George is a good comparison. I mean, if they right, do you do that move if if you think you can get a Paul George and you can keep your core intact, especially you have the to way be that, able to to keep him. I mean, you'd have yeah. to have a, a guarantee yeah. that he would stay. But especially the way the East is this year, right? Mm-hmm. Like especially the way like Cleveland's everybody. I'm sorry, I just yanked your. I yanked Dante's headphones right out of his cord. <laughs> his cord <laughs> right, is right in front right. of me here, and I end up just. It is quite a setup in here. It is quite a setup. Um, but like the the East is there for the taking, wouldn't you say? Like Boston has holes, and Cleveland is showing that they have holes. And couldn't Toronto just be sitting there? At number well, I think they could win right it now? this year. Yeah, I think, yeah, I they think they're win close the enough to year. do it right now. But I, I mean, I, but I see go, what you're saying. But that's part of uh, what they've got to go through right yeah. during this time right now. It's like that's where kind of John started our conversation. Is right. you got teams that are looking. Oh well, we're right there. Do we need to make another move? And and that would result in them to get a Paul George. They'd yeah. have to give up some Something. pretty some good young players right. and everything. And so do you do that? It's uh, you know what's I, interesting I would, too. I, would, I, would I do it. I, <laughs> I, I always want to win now. <laughs> you wish you had all the time in the world to talk to him, and, and we already went long, and, and he gave some great insight. But what's the value of doing a deal now? If he's if he diagnoses, let's say he says whoever the players are, player X Y Z are no longer going to be uh, the future, like like Harvey Weltman told you, you're, you're not a part of the future, right? It was Harry, but that's yeah, okay. Harry, that's right. Or Harvey. Or, Harry or Harvey, either one. Right. <laughs> Harry <laughs> Weltman tells yeah. you that we're moving a different direction, yeah, right? And you're not in it. And you're not. We're starting from the bottom, not from the top. We're, yeah. now. we're starting from the bottom, and you're not and in you're it. you're not in it. So, yeah. they, so you diagnose the player or players that you're going to – is there a benefit to doing it now? Is there the element of surprise where you can catch up on a team and, and kind of kick this whole trade season off? Or is it better to wait and, and prey on a team that's desperate uh, that may think they need to make a playoff push? I don't know. It'd be interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? That's so part much, of being it, right? It, it really is. It's it's as I think sometimes as fans we look at players. We get you know player to player and things like that. Where I think in what John and Jeff do is they're looking and, and he even said it might help the long term. Right. 
uh, they're looking at the cap, at salary structure all the time. So you could, you know, I, I, there's a, a there's a deal being rumored right now. What is it, George Hill to uh, oh, yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland? Cleveland, yeah. For uh, Channing Fry and Amon Sh- expiring Amon contracts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that you know, Sacramento might do that to give them cap flexibility, right? They, you know, they, to unload guys and stuff like that. It's not. Chaining Fry, I would. You got Garrett, Garrett Temple. You're all set. <laughs> are not maybe going to help them this year right. the way they're trying to play, but they're looking at cap flexibility. So that I think those are maybe kind of things that teams will be looking at right now. You know, one of the most telling things I think that John said was that if a deal is made, it's likely to be for the long term. Absolutely. So right. I, you know, I right. think that 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 was a pretty clear signal that um, that that if there is a deal done, don't expect. A Paul George to be the guy that comes right in to help you, you know, win right away. Darn it! So I think that was interesting. I want to bring up the T word because what yeah, T it's, word? It's driving me. Nuts. I like it. What's the T word? Tuna Is fish. it okay if if I bring that up? tuna fish? Tuna Just fish. What Dante said. Tuna Is fish. It? Yeah. No. Go ahead and say it. Uh-huh. I hate the word, but go ahead and say yeah. it. Tank. Yeah. Oh. I'm I'm so tired. Yeah. Of the T word. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that. I I don't. I think it's it's just bad. Yeah, it is. I don't, bad. I don't like it. I don't. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't think. Uh, I don't think this team is is a part of that. I no. think if you know, if you're trying to build, you know, you're trying to build something. There, there's a, a professional way to do it. But you know, for fans and and people to think that you should just go out and lose games intentionally, I think that's ridiculous. Can Can we commit to doing some research for the next podcast and and showing where it's worked, the one or two times maybe if it has. Where it where it's worked, and I thought Mark Folliwell, uh for the Dallas Mavericks, I thought was incredible. He did some research and showed that since 1996, so teams have really adamantly, openly been trying to tank the last 22 years. The number one pick has produced 11 All Stars. The number 10 pick has produced 10 All Stars. Yeah, you can, and the number nine pick has produced 11 All Stars. You can you can hit at nine and ten. Just as much, if not better, than you can at one and two. I think that's truer today than ever before. I would agree with that. Because of the one that. and done. Well, it's just know. too many unknowns. No, too sure. You know, it's just I. You Steph know, Curry, Clay Thompson. These aren't number one picks, but yeah. look what you found there. Well, it, it's interesting. It would be fun to you know to ask John. You know, like when you're when you're evaluating these one and dones, right? Like, yeah. How you know what what is the body of work that you're evaluating? I mean, you think about it. Um, and, and Dante, I think you were with me. We heard Joe Dumars talk about this at the yes. NBA broadcast yes. meetings. Very, in, very you know, insightful. Think about a one and done guy. They usually want a four year body of work to evaluate. If it's a one and done guy, you're going back to his freshman year of high school, right? right. It's like, I've got David, you've raised kids and everything. Yeah, I've yeah. got kids move that move through teenage years and things like that. The difference between a freshman in high school <laughs> and everything. Yeah. It, I mean, it's incredible. I don't know how you project this and know exactly where you're going to be. I mean, it's just such – I mean, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. You are really taking a chance with those picks. How do you know um, – you know, we, we got a chance to see the other night De'Aaron Fox with Sacramento. You know, we all – everybody was like, wow, this is going to be one of the – he needs he needs time. He's right. not ready. No, right. Um, how excited was everybody about – Sacramento's draft. Yeah. Yeah. You know, true. Boy, that they, they stole the draft. They won yeah. the draft. They, they the Aaron Fox and uh Justin Jackson. Yeah. Well, those guys they got a long way they to go. They have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. They, they, to you go. know, there's they're young. Mm-hmm. It takes time. But he healed, right? Like I uh, like it, him a lot. Everybody yeah. was he's not good. winning NBA games. No, no. you're right. You're he's, right. He's still but it needs to, to be a mix. You need to develop those guys, but then you have to add some other talent at some point. It, you need to add some veterans. It's just hard. I, I like you like even look at Minnesota. Like you look at Andrew Wiggins was the number one pick. How many years ago now? Three. He's not an all star. But but isn't not. that but isn't that what debunks this whole thing? They we waited well, for three saying. years like, for that guy. It, yeah. It's hard. It's a it's right? a, it, I think I think the tanking thing or even Philly, for example, like everybody's saying how great the process is. They're they're one game over five hundred. <laughs> right. right. One. They're they're clinging on to the eighth spot. So it's not like that 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 worked. Like, can you say the process now? Does their prospects look great for the future? Well, with Embiid, Simmons, and MB. That's a big if. And you don't know. So there's so many question marks to say. Well, but oh, apparently, well, you got to go get remember, bad to get good. Even with them, they they 
they hit, they missed on Nerlens Noel, and they missed on right? Raquel Fultz right now. Well, they missed on him. Probably Jill Okafor, right? They yeah, they yeah, right. on him. No so doubt. That's right. They missed out on a lot. You so know, we'll see. I just it's, I, a, yeah. it's a dangerous it's a slip, route. To slippery take. slope. And you pointed out on the broadcast uh, a couple of months ago. I mean, even the Golden State Warriors, for as much credit as they get for taking Steph Curry and Clay Thompson in the middle that year, in the middle they drafted Epi Udo. Who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Who? so it's it is a crapshoot, and I think it's uh, it's nothing's guaranteed. And, and what's a success? Are we saying Philadelphia is a success because they make the playoffs? Well, that's what I'm saying. Or are, do they are, have to win a championship for tanking to be successful? What right? what you're looking for is what is what is the terms we use? Long long term stability. Yeah, long term well, stability. The, right? the, the big problem, and we've talked about this uh, a lot. You know, as we gather for dinners and things like that on the road. Yeah. Get to know one another, but uh, I think the problem with intentionally losing games yep. is the, the the culture that you develop. I mean, guys, bingo. You need <laughs> guys need to learn how to win, right? And yeah. and, and, and losing and are, losing if losing becomes acceptable right. in your culture, you've got a big problem. It's hard to climb out of. And, and what and is that not where we're at? I mean, if we're just you know if we're just addressing the elephant in the room. We have not won, be it on well, purpose that's, that's or not. That's what they're trying to turn around. We have yeah, not won, and, and these guys, case in point, the Sacramento game. Well, and that's where you can look at the Miami Heat. The, their roster is not full of any – Whiteside's your best player, right? Hassan Whiteside's your best player, but they have basically a bunch of fringe – Dragic. You have a bunch of decent players, but nothing nothing that jumps off the paper like, oh, wow, that roster's loaded. Like, right. Not at all. But they they – that Pat Riley mentality and Eric Spolstra, That's like right. they do not accept losing at all. So hopefully we can we can turn this thing. around I mean, winning quick. T- winning ten of your final thirty five games helps who on this roster? Who does that help? Ten of thirty five. You win ten of your final thirty five games. If you're trying, if Magic fans want to tank, how does no, that help? Young Wesson, one dude, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, the, you the guys try you're to trying win. to build. You around. have to learn how to win. Right, right. Have to learn. Well, how to I, win. I will tell you this from the players' side. If I'm a part of an organization and I know that that's what they're trying to do, yeah. basically what they're trying to do is look towards the future to replace me. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, exactly that's a good point right. too. So right? I, it changes my whole outlook as well. So I we, think you know, I mean, I just think there's a lot of negatives. Well, which uh, is why the, you go back to that heart and hustle year, right? The heart and hustle year of the Magic, yeah. where mm-hmm. those guys tried their their fannies off to win games and they won 41 games. But that next year was the year where, where we had the money and the cap room at to go get. You can't tell me that Tim Duncan and Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill didn't look at Orlando's roster because they played hard and they won That's 41 true. games, that that didn't play a part in them deciding to come here. Well, and we have some advantages that other markets, right. NBA right. teams don't have. We, we have. we have the climate, all the things that we talk about, which are real. I mean, they're real. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, people might state taxes joke about it, but uh, but Orlando is a very attractive place. Look at how many players live here year round, right? That play for other teams. So uh, there 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 are built in advantages that we have here in this market, and with Weltman and Hammond, who have shown the ability to build franchises that that were as you know in, in as poor a shape as the Magic franchise was when they came in. I think that gives us hope that. Uh, you know, they're looking long-term, but they're trying to build a winning culture yeah. along the Correct. way. And Correct. I think that's the key element, to try and do both at the same time. That's what's so hard, though, isn't it? It is hard. It Jeff. is hard. And, and Jeff, but I think it's inter- you brought up, a, a, I think, a good point. And for those that never played the game, certainly at this level, losing, if we were to close out and win five or ten games the rest of this year, what does that do to your mindset, your mentality as a player at the end of a game, like we saw against Sacramento, when you can't dig your way out of that hole, what, how, how detrimental is that to you, that losing? Well, you, you hope that as competitors you continue to fight. But it just, you know, I've, I've been through it. I, you know, the very first year of the Magic, we won 18. Think about it, Dante. Yeah. We were 7-7 seven and seven in November. You know, the, you know very right. similar. We, Go to the playoffs. We were the talk of the town, and the league was talking about us. We won 11 games the rest of the way. Um, it's hard. It wears on you. Sure. You come in. You do your job. Uh, as best you can we were trying to compete obviously it wasn't I don't think at any point we were uh, trying to lose but we just weren't talented enough to win Um, 
but it, it does wear on you. And that's a group of veterans that know that. What about yeah. young guys that this is now all they know in the NBA? Yeah, and I think that's a that's the key difference. We were, you know, a bunch of guys, uh, veteran guys that were, you know, unprotected in the expansion draft or yep. free agent signings. In my case, uh, coming back from Europe. Um, and so we were just fighting every day, every night for our jobs. And, you know, I hope that if fans look back and say, well, those guys competed every night. Yeah, they weren't sure. very good, but they competed. For young guys that, you know, whether you're coming from the University of Kentucky or Duke or wherever, where you've just, you've won um, to come in. And now you're, you're, you're in this where you lose, you know, four out of five games. It, it just, it's got to wear on you because you don't have – an experience base to 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 tell you you know what this is yeah. just this is something that will pass right i will we'll get through this and everything this this can't be the norm for you is what i guess is a big thing and the danger is if you accept that so hopefully but yeah. we'll see but i'm I, sad you guys but I, no 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 sad. but i think to the point is and, and david you met <laughs> david you brought it up is we've got a group that we should be if you look at the body of work that jeff and john have had and the organizations they've they've left are considerably better than when they got there. Would you not agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm happy again. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It doesn't no. take much to make me yo-yo. No, no, it doesn't. No. no this it doesn't, doesn't have quite the frivolity and the uh, the gaiety of our past It doesn't. Pod no, it does more serious. No, it has been much more serious. Would you, how would you suggest even, we light, lighten the mood? I don't even mood? know if you can transition from this to soup. <laughs> to can soup? we? I don't know. Can we transition? I think you can transition from this. To I soup. think if there was ever a medium to do it, I think it would be this one, right here. My wife had the best ch- chicken taco. There it is. He's the master. Taco there it is, soup right there. That uh, it's it's a family tradition. Chicken taco. Just what's recently, yeah, just last soup? week. I don't know what's in it. I you know I forgot to to ask her the ingredients because you know I you don't think I really know what's really in these soups coming in. I, right? do I think, think you, you do. do. I think yeah, you spend a good amount of time. Ask. I do. She think... gets the recipes out and we go over it. She makes sure I get it all. All right. Does this differ from the chicken but tortilla soup time. that you had it's talked different. about? The la- it's, now, it's what's hotter. different? It's a taco soup as opposed to tortilla. It's got chips in it? Like a whole taco well, you can shell? Put chips in it. You put a whole taco shell in there? No, no. You you, that, you add that later. But it's just got a nice hot, uh, it, it cleans the sinuses. Is it, it spicy? Uh, refreshes. It's, uh, it's very good. You know, no, it's it's a creamy, cream based. I don't know if I want a lot of, soup. A lot of peppers in it. Cleaning my sinuses. I don't. Yeah. Is that. Sure. Because like, of yeah. the spice? Yeah, I think you do. That's what I guess. Like yeah. if you, and, yeah. you want it, that's you, all I got. Sorry. I I tried to. There was a smooth no, transition. No, that's fine. That's that was you know what Lana's been making is chili. She makes this chili that but is that's not a phenomenal. Not a soup. Are we, not a soup. Are we, not a soup. That's a subset. That's, that's not a soup. That's, that's a subset. Yeah. Soups we were in chilies. Boston. We were in Boston, yeah. and we we had chowder. Now, Correct. did you guys, uh, you know, have any chowder that was more soupy, or was it all? Well, just don't like a thin chowder. Man. No, that's a, legal that's seafood a makes a thin chowder. That's a soup. That could be a soup. The yeah. sale loft has ruined us for at least ruined me for chowder. Like what about I, I the, the Union Oyster be. House. That was yeah, phenomenal. That's good too. And did you see the menu? It said soups and chowders. That's what it said on the menu. Oh, they said chowder. Noticed soups and menus. Yeah, soups and chowders. So what kind of chili does Lana make? Oh, she makes it bean, uh, with beans. It's or beans. It's with beans, like chickpeas, which I'm not a fan of, but they work in George here. George wouldn't eat it. If She's it's got, got peppers. It's got onions. It's got hamburger in it. It's like a healthy. It's like all kinds of, but it's thick and hearty, like just Love what it. you want out of a chili. It's healthy, but and it has it hamburger was, in it. Yeah, lean, oh, lean hamburger, <laughs> lean hamburger, or ground turkey. Even I think she okay. might even use ground turkey. She's but, uh, she you. probably used ground turkey. Yeah, probably used ground turkey. Diddy tried to put tofu in mine one time, but I, <laughs> no. I was on her. Yeah, she was really? trying to really? Did yeah. she really? Yeah. You're not going there, huh? I, I, caught, not do I caught Laura one time trying to give us, uh, I thought it was mashed potatoes. Cauliflower. Could, it was cauliflower. Oh, yeah, that's disgusting. And I took, one thing, bite, right? I took one bite of it in front of the kids, and I went, I went, what is this? And she goes, those are mashed potatoes. And I dropped my fork, and I said, these aren't mashed no, potatoes. Not. You can't and fool so me. And so then all of the kids oh, dropped their forks, too. She, and then she looks at me, and she's like, oh, would you cut me a break? I'm trying to feed everybody cauliflower. We, we went awesome. through the same thing, George. That lasted about two meals. Yeah. Mine didn't even last I like, a meal. I don't have a problem oh, with that, terrible. believe it or not. I don't oh. mind the ground cauliflower. But you the have girls, no sense of taste. The girls <laughs> you took, think those are good. The girls took one bite, and it was like a Will Ferrell spit take. <laughs> they knew right away. They, no you good. can't fool kids. No. You can't fool kids. You can't fool kids or me. <laughs> or me. I know when that's not potatoes. I just prefer, you weren't buying that. Flat-out cauliflower. So I prefer to just, we'll, we'll just go meatless chili as opposed to trying to fool me with the tofu. Tofu? Yeah. 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 Just, that's just rude. Just what is meat. tofu? 
It's nothing, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's substance. cardboard, I it's think. So what would you say it, what does it look cardboard? like? What is it? Is it ground up? I thought it was gelatinous. What is it? No, no it's not. It's, it's not like there's a... different kinds. I think this was made to look like hamburger. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> sure. it Why do it I feel like it's like soybeans? It's the like, whole yeah. goal is to chickpeas? trick you. Is yeah. it chickpeas? Not chickpeas. No, that's falafel. <laughs> <laughs> My mom is onto that. She's gluten free, so she'll once in a while she'll make some gluten free things, and she'll try to convince me you can't tell the difference when something's gluten free. I don't get that. That's one another either. thing yeah, I can that's... tell the difference on immediately. <laughs> right away. I like my things gluten full. Yeah. I like yeah. gluten full. There is food. nothing redeeming about <laughs> gluten, but oh, man, it tastes good. Yeah, it is <laughs> delicious. What about a dessert? Do we have a dessert I before we get out of that. here? I can't. No? I can't. I got nothing. No did you try to, free desserts. Did you try to JT? get you a tofu cake of any kind? <laughs> no, no. She wouldn't do that. Okay, well, then I'll ask wait, you wait, this. Wait, wait, what about it, uh, the, Mike's Pastry? What do they think about the cannolis? What did you get at Mike's Pastry? Oh, definitely. Well, you know what's interesting? When I go with you guys, we always push up to the cannoli the counter, right? Yeah, and right. fight through them in there. And um, the espresso cannoli is my favorite. I love okay. that one. Oh, man, that's so good. But Dee Dee and Emma, I had my family in with me when we were in Boston. They went to the right. I didn't realize there was a whole other counter of cookies. <laughs> cookies there. Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. ever black see and white that yeah, when we that's walk right. in there, right? So good. they got a couple of those peanut butter cookies there. Have you had those? He had one. I had one. Dante had one. Dante. I'm not going to lie to you. And the I'm peanut gonna, butter crunch, yeah. crunch. Oh, my gosh. With the stuff drizzled on oh, top. That man. was amazing. I'm getting one the next time we go. That, yeah. That'll make four desserts <laughs> when I go to Mike's. What is it about Your the black and white cookie? Did you eat everything in that box that night? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. <laughs> yes, you did. I swear I George. didn't. I did not. I saved the black and white for the next day. I oh, saved yeah. the black and white, but I had the, I had the cannoli that night. That was so good. I ate the whole cannoli. You did too, right? Did yes, you eat your whole cannoli? I ate the whole cannoli. Right, your whole thing. Yeah. I brought cannolis home and gave them to Lana and my dad when I got home. Lana had half of it and said, "Oh, my God, I can't eat this whole thing." <laughs> you felt well, bad. Me neither. Uh, me neither. I was just cut the, it off at I half. I was licking That's the box no trying Anybody. to get that off there. I couldn't so get a good. box at Mike's I, because if I got it back, I'd eat it all. That box yeah. would be talking to me. I'd, put, yeah, I'd right. close it, and I'd be laying in there, and the box would be, Jeff. I was proud of myself. I'm over here, Jeff. <laughs> I did a cannoli and one bite of the cookie. I did take I a did, bite. I had no bites. I saved the cookie for the – but now, granted, it didn't make it till like 10 o'clock the next morning. No. I ate the cookie. <laughs> Nothing better breakfast. than that for breakfast. Yeah, Nothing good. better than that. All right, guys, appreciate. It. I thought that was pretty good with John Hammond. I was, uh, yeah. boy, you could, boy, you could really get going with some of these GMs and some of the some of the war stories they've told over the years, right? He was, he was good. I was, I was kind of hoping to get into his early, early days. We'll have to have him back sure. again. Did you realize? I didn't realize this. He was on Bill Musselman's staff he, in '89. I did until the first time I talked to him. Uh, Was he really? Yeah. Everything he you look put at that says Minnesota he, team yeah. together. Says he started with the you know, Clippers, we, but he uh, was that there. That was our first year. In he was league. coaching then. He was coaching. I yeah, don't he was that. an assistant, assistant coach for Bill Musselman. Mm-hmm. You guys, right. I don't know if you guys know that. I went out as a free agent coming back from Europe. I tried out. I did went to a free agent camp with Minnesota before I came to Orlando. Uh, and, really? Yeah. So got to know Bill Musselman and that crew. That's Sam a, Mitchell that's a podcast and I were there together, and yeah, it was it was interesting. After your Harvey Weltman days, was that? Yeah, well, Harvey sent me over to Europe. He sent me overseas. He said I was done, so I just crawled, you know, overseas. Norm Sloan also told you that you, you didn't fit. Yeah, yeah. So well, was, you know, hey, John said Harvey. Florida. Harvey told him, you know, you're going to make mistakes, and yep. I, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Exactly. See, right. now you guys got me making a mistake. Now you it's not <laughs> Harvey. It's Harry. I want to. If you hear this, I wanted I to slip that in. It's I wanted to slip that Dante in there. Dante is the one who can't get the name. Yeah, right. I wanted to <laughs> slip it in. There. I know who it is, but I did mess up earlier. That's the beauty of these. We could go back and fix it, but we're not <laughs> going to now because no, I just no, compounded no, it. It's, it's more work for Aaron. All right, guys, good job. We'll do this again in about four months. We'll see okay. you next time. <laughs> okay.